the best, the worst of the TV season. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. shows in geek television. I cannot wait to discuss it. Joining me today, Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Mo Walker, welcome. Hi, everybody. And Dan Pierce, welcome. Welcome back, guys. I didn't forget your name. There wasn't supposed to be a long pause, but maybe I just had a problem remembering something about a new show of the season. Maybe that's what it was. Okay, Luke. <laughs> I see how it is. I, okay. I I don't know if anyone saw it on Twitter. I totally blanked and forgot that Black Lightning was a new show this year and that there were a bunch of like there were a couple of new shows that I watched cuz I'm so used to, like, my habits and whatnot. I don't know. Get out of your comfort zone, Dan. Get out of your comfort zone. There's too much television. I can't keep up. Uh, says the man who says he watches all kinds of comedies on Hulu. That's fair. That's, that's uh, let's fair. talk a little bit about our categories. First one up, breakout star or character of the season. Mel, who did you have? Oh, ladies first, I see. Uh, of course. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, well, since we were talking about Black Lightning, mine is from Black Lightning, and I have Jefferson Pierce uh, as Black Lightning. For me, this was such a standout character. I mean, he is an educator, and he tries to mentor his children at the school, his actual children who also go to the school, all the while being this kick-ass, badass superhero. So if you can navigate all of that, and managed to stay alive and get your woman back that you've been in love with forever, I, I'm down for you. I ride for you. I really like, you know, what the character stands for and just how he carries himself. And Chris Williams is a great actor. I've loved him since in uh, the Living Heart Single. That's what it is. Okay. Um, I've loved him since uh, Living Single. He was Scooter. So he's fantastic. He really just stood out to me. This season. So he's, there we go. He's buffed up some too. I mean, now you know. You're not I gonna complain. To good. I tried to be good, but since y'all making me be bad, of course he has. But he was always a like a you know a bigger guy. Like a, mm, uh, he always had. Get you some, things, Mel. Get you some. I might get the whole thing, honey. Not the point. Um, yes, he's a very nice looking man. But he was buffed up on a uh, heart of Dixie. I remember him being. He did. He most. did, but I feel like he put on some muscle between Heart of Dixie and between Black Lightning. I feel like there's I'm just a little bit more swole going on. <laughs> Mo, who do you have? Well, I have an actress named Jodie uh, Comer. She plays the character called this assassin named Villanelle from the BBC America series Killing Eve which stars Sandra Oh, formerly of Grey's Anatomy. 
Villanelle is such a wonderful character, especially someone who is a female assassin, because we don't get a whole lot of female assassins, especially on television. But she does her, she does everything with such panache and style. She loves nice clothes. She loves to eat great food. She loves to play with her victims before she kills them. I mean, there was this awesome scene in one episode in which she sneaks into this um, this family's compound and they're having this Father's Day uh, part, this birthday party for the grandparent who was her target. And so she's, she plays uh, hide-and-go-seek with the her target's grandson and then she uses the kid to lure the... Uh, grandfather into uh, for his demise. I mean, the grandfather thinks that oh, she's she's some sort of prostitute or something. She just like takes this needle and stabs him in the eye, and it's just so awesome. And then she just escapes on a motorcycle, and it's Killing Eve. It just works because of Jodie Comer's character and the chemistry that she has with Sandra Oh. If you haven't seen this show, it's only eight episodes. You should watch it. It's it's amazing. Dan, who do you have for breakout star or character? Which the reason we have this is sometimes there are people who've been on a number of shows, but for you, their character stood out. Well, um, when I thought of breakout during the course of this year, the only person that could come to mind for me personally was Wally West. Uh, because Keenan Lonsdale did the thing this year on Legends of Tomorrow, becoming a legend, breaking out of Barry's shadow and becoming the character that we always wanted him to be. And it was fantastic. And it makes me so sad thinking about that. He's no longer going to be on legends of tomorrow next year. And I'm just, it bumps me out, but Holy cow. Is it a good year for Wally? He became a legend. He got to do karaoke with rip. He got to uh, be a part of the bigger team with Sarah and, just and his relationship with Zari and their sort of friendship, um, he really got to grow and mature and really become a true hero. And yeah, so he definitely broke out. Okay. Um, my breakout star character is Sonequa Martin Green as Michael Burnham on Star Trek Discovery. Now, it's the character, not the actress, because the actress has been in a number of big shows like The Walking Dead in the past. But this role of Michael was riveting. She played a human who was raised by a Vulcan so well, and the conflict that that would create for someone who's been raised by a Vulcan and has all of that, like, analytics and all this other stuff going on in their mind, and then at the same time trying to embrace the human side. You could see in her strategy and in her combat the Vulcan come through, but then you also saw the human side when she was trying to relate to a guy who was interested in her, and I thought it was a fascinating balance. I really enjoyed Star Trek Discovery. Um, I went and marathoned it, and like did got the free trial and marathoned the whole thing, and I didn't regret it. It was fantastic. If you haven't watched it, you definitely should. Every hero needs a sidekick. Best sidekick of the season. Mo, who do you have? My every hero needs a sidekick. Don't hate on me, okay? Because I kind of sort of have a tie. I mean, it, as long as but, it's not from the Inhumans, you're fine. Rules up as, as we go. We go. Along. 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. But it's more of a chicken and egg kind of thing. So let me let me explain. When I, I tell you the show, you may understand why I kind of have a tie. So I picked Arthur and Tick from Amazon Prime's The Tick remake series. So if you're familiar with the character of Arthur and The Tick, they this is the third iteration of the show The Tick. The first iteration was a Saturday morning cartoon in the 1990s that was on Fox. The other was a live action series that aired on Fox really briefly in the early 2000s. The Amazon version is a complete reimagining of The Tick and Arthur. The they do not it actually other than The Tick and Arthur, they're they're very few if not any characters from the original uh, cartoon or the live action series. Now, the reason I, I believe that The Tick and Arthur qualify as best sidekick is because you're not really sure which one of them's the hero and which one's the sidekick because in the Amazon show, the focus just, it just shifts. So there's some episodes in which Arthur feels like he's the lead, he's more of the superhero, even though in terms of just raw power and ability, The Tick brings the muscle, the invulnerability, and so forth. And there are other times in which the tick is just directionless. He's just hanging out with neighbors and so forth, and he needs that that guidance and, and uh, from, from Arthur. So that's kind of why I chose both characters, because I really can't qualify either one as a sidekick, because at times the, uh, the tick or Arthur could be the sidekick, just depending on the episode and what's going on. Okay. Dan, who do you have? Uh, I kind of have a theme going right now. So when I did this, I didn't know the news that was going to break. Uh, I picked Win from uh, Supergirl because he's had a really, really tough but good year with a lot of good character growth. And I really enjoyed his relationship with Jimmy and his him dealing with the death of his father and then reconnecting with his mother and all of that stuff. Plus you know, providing all of the assistance at the DEO with the Legion and just learning a lot of stuff. And then it came out this week that Jeremy Jordan's going on recurring for next season. And I'm like, what? This that is makes ridiculous. total sense. Makes total sense. I know it makes total sense, but I'm still going to need a win and Cisco Felicity moment ASAP because Maybe maybe inside of the Wave Rider, that'd be kind of a cool setting because then you can get Gideon involved and then all four shows are hopping. Um, but yeah, no, um, it's it's disappointing because he's really, really good and he's so talented and he's such a good sidekick. Mel? My Every Hero Needs a Sidekick Best Sidekick is the robot from Lost in Space. Oh, nice. Very good. I, th- I thought he was just really great, you know. At first, he starts off kind of as a villain. Our very small hero wins him over, and now he is literally under his power for the majority of the show. Uh, and what better way, what better sidekick to have than one that can do all the dirty work for you and save everyone and or kill anyone you want them to? I thought it was pretty fantastic. So there we go. Well... I have maybe a tie, maybe one, and then an honorable mention. My Every Hero Needs a Sidekick is Brainiac 5, Just Wrath from Supergirl. I had had Hartley Sawyer as Ralph Dibney from The Flash, 
And then I was like, okay, he was good, but I really enjoyed Brainiac, and Brainiac's coming back next season. Jess Prath is a really good actor. I love how he conveys Brainiac's intellect, while at the same time not intentionally being snarky and throwing shade, still ending up doing it. And I realize that he is one of the Legion, so, I mean, technically he may not be a sidekick in his realm, but on Supergirl he is. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him more next season. I do think that Hartley Sawyer as Ralph Dibney on The Flash deserves a shout out because for those of us who watched him on The Young and the Restless, let's just say he has had acting classes since The Young and the Restless. Uh, um, <laughs> biggest frack up. Dan, I'm going to you first because I considered putting you on this category. I Wait, when did I become the biggest frack up? I know you're not trying to read somebody else for fracking up, Luke Curl. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Wait, 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 wait. somebody else for that category. Uh, wait until you hear it. It's because he made us watch Inhumans. Mm. Dan, who do you have as biggest frack up of the TV season? So Luke Kerr. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say the biggest frack up has to be Harry from The Flash. He literally, like, everyone is telling you, hey, don't do this with the dark matter. Whatever you do, do not add dark matter to your helmet. Why do you need the helmet? Why, like, why are you trying to beat the thinker at his own game? You can't do that. And everyone's telling him this, but he's trying anyway. And spoiler alert, he loses all of his intellect. And yes, by the very, like, by the finale, they fix it so, like, he's not going to, like, completely be gone. It's just, like, he's not going to be smart. He's just going to be, like, a normal intellect person. Um, which is fine, because now he gets to be a dad to uh, um, Jesse and go back to Earth 2 and all that stuff. But he stops being hairy and... From everything we've gathered from Tom Cavanaugh, they're bringing in a new Harrison Wells next year that is completely different. Um, so but don't we'll you sort of appreciate how they've been able to revital keep that character fresh by doing that, or are you getting tired of the mini Harrys? I, you know, I, I, I like the the many Harrys, but it also it's one of those things where hair like. Harry from Earth 2 kind of we saw character growth there. You know, he wasn't Harrison Wells evil Eobard Thawne kind of guy, but he wasn't like a super nice guy either. He was kind of a jerk to everyone, and I really kind of liked that. That was really interesting. Um and seeing the relationships he made develop and grow and stuff. I, you know, for him to lose his intellect, it's like, oh, okay, um, that's that's fine. As long as we don't bring back HR, I didn't like him. Okay. I, I, I guess. So, yeah. Also, uh, Legends fracked up by killing Rip Hunter, but that's a whole other thing. That was not a frack up. That was perfectly executed. Mel, who do you have as biggest frack up of the season? My biggest frack up is from a Netflix show, Stranger Things, and I have to go with Dustin because it is his fault because he thought that the little slug was his friend the whole time and he didn't want to tell anyone about it. And guess what? That was the wrong decision because 
everything popped off because of that slug. Almost got his friends killed because he was all in his feelings over this thing because he ain't having friends and so on and so forth. And it's like, bro, you have a whole group of friends and you want to hide this slug, this supernatural slug away from everyone because it's in your head. You don't have any friends. Like, he's wearing me out. A lot of that happened because he decided he wanted to hide it. It's on him. And that's how I feel about this situation. Okay. Mo, who do you have? Well, mine comes from the show Krypton. And it's Sig L, Superman's grandson, not allowing the villain Brainiac to steal Kandor City, thus eliminating Cal L from the timeline and allowing Drew Zod to take over at the end of the season. See, we may need to have maybe next week's episode just be a finale episode discussion because we're going to touch on Timeless. We'll touch on, we could touch on Krypton and a couple of the others. But I'm like, that ending sort of confused me. We'll see. Um, I, I get what you're saying because the way it ended was a strong end. But yeah, I was like, okay, what did, what just happened? I think like in order for the show narratively to move forward, you have to do something like that because yeah. otherwise what's the point of a second season? Right. My biggest frack up is ABC for developing and airing in humans. I think enough has been said. There's an entire podcast in which we discussed it. Terrible, 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 terrible. Woe is me, I'm Sandra D, the most angsty or annoying character of the season. Mel. Eugene from The Walking Dead, because he talks like this, and he really thinks he's super intelligent, and I have to get everything done and make these bullets, and I'm just so amazing, and I am Negan. He's the worst, the actual, you know what, worst. Even though he kind of redeemed himself, but still... You don't get a pass to me. I wish a walker would eat him. And I'm not sure why I'm still watching this show. But, yeah. Oh, I stopped. He, he needs to go. Mo, who'd you have? Well, mine is Deke Shaw from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not sure if any of you all have been following that show. Deke Shaw was introduced in early on in, in the fifth season. He can't, He's a character from the future. He is related to some of the main cast members of of the shield team or formerly shield team he you really weren't sure where his loyalties laid at the at the beginning of the season up really until the end of that future arc you kind of didn't know where his feelings were you didn't know if he was going to betray everybody to the kree and but the character he just the I'm not I'm not sure if it's the writing or it was the actor themselves. There are some characters and some actors who have the ability to be roguish and charming, and if they're gonna double cross characters, you love to hate that that actor and that character. But with this character, with the character of Deke Shaw, it was just like get him off my screen now. I didn't find him roguish and charming when he came back to the 21st century with with the other members of shield i didn't find the kind of fish out of water oh i'm in the past you know um 
his his obsession with like Twinkies and all these other junk food and bottled water and and so forth. I didn't find it charming. I just found it like he was just bumbling about and he was useless. And even when they revealed his parentage, you know, I was like, okay, it kind of got me invested in that character a little bit. But overall, I hope that uh, he Deke does not return <laughs> in the sixth season of Agents of Shield. Um, I kind of like how the character just sort of walked off at the end of the season. Hopefully he will just keep walking and we won't see him anymore. Dan? My uh, pick for the most annoying character, I, I mean, she has a lot of reason to be annoying because of all of the things she's gone through. But Alex from Supergirl, I'm going to need you to cheer up, just like 5% cheer up. You know, I understand you're going through a lot. I understand you went through the breakup with Maggie. I understand you want to be a mom. I understand that you're having to, like, balance Ruby and taking care of her with being the emotional support that Jean needs and that Kara needs. And just, like, just trying to be everything to everyone. But can you cheer up a little bit? Maybe maybe go into some of the comedy stuff that uh, you went through with Sarah during the Christ on Earth X stuff. You know, that was really interesting. That was fun. We got to see a different side of Alex, which is fantastic. And I loved it. I just, she's she's really getting on my nerves a lot lately. And it's super just do better. She gets on my nerves for other reasons, primarily because of the fact that I don't understand why that character preempts Martian Manhunter from taking the role that he needs to on that show. It it drives me a little bit insane. Uh, let's see. That leaves me, I guess. My woe is me. I'm Sandra D. Most angsty character. I feel like this is two years in a row. I didn't go back and check, but I do feel like it. Jughead from Riverdale. <laughs> I, his angst and his causes to me always feel really contrived and when i start feeling that a story's contrived there's not a lot i mean no matter how much the acting might be good it just falls flat or maybe the acting isn't good enough to elevate it to the level that it would be enjoyable to watch but Jughead's whole campaign this last season with the schools and the snakes and all this other stuff, I get why the show did it. I get that the over-umbrella arc and everything, but the character of Jughead is just a hard one for me to enjoy. There are moments, but very rarely does it last for more than a few minutes. Kick that ass! Best fight season! Let's see, where are we at? We're at Mo. Mo. Well, I'm going to go with the psychic duel between David Haller and the Shadow King from FX's series Legion. If you've ever read an X-Men comic, the psychic, they literally pulled the psychic duel from comic book panels. It was so cool. Each character, the Shadow King and David Haller, kept changing and, and, and transforming into these different, like, creatures, like animals and snakes and so forth. And visually, what was really interesting, they used animation for it, so, and, and, and it was very multicolored. 
very similar to how you would see a psychic duel take place in an X-Men comic in which um, they would create these shields around each other. It was visual. It was a visual smorgasbord and a visual treat. The show Legion in and of itself visually is amazing, but the fact that they're pulling this from X-Men comics and being an X-Men fan, I just ate that fight scene up because I, I don't think I've ever seen a a fight scene from a, particularly an X-Men related property that so captured the feeling of a comic book. Okay. Dan, who do you have? Well, I have Rain versus Kara. Holy cow, I was not ready. I was very excited. There was a lot of build up, but then when it actually happened and Rain just wiped the floor with Kara. I was excited, terrified. Like, it, I had so many emotions, and it was shot so well. And it was just going through all of the different powers. There was, like, a physical component where, like, Rain was just overpowering Kara. It was incredible. And I just... Getting to see that on top of the layered relationship with Kara and Sam, it, it was super good, and I am here for it. And I'm excited for round two, because that is airing tomorrow. Mel? I have the Crisis on Earth X crossover. I really enjoyed the church fight, and I also really enjoyed the battle outside of the Nazi camp when they were in the actual future. I thought, you know, I thought the crossover episodes were great and we got to see all of our Berlanti Universe, DC Universe characters all together fighting for one big cause. I just, I really enjoyed it. So there we go. Okay. Mine comes from The Expanse. Frankie Adams portrays the character of Bobby Draper, who is a Martian military woman who is badass. In this season, which is currently still going, there's an opportunity where she has to go up against one of the um, Katoa hybrids, which are an some sort of organiz- organism that is being melded with humans, children, and they become this like unstoppable fighting creature. And she was in her power, her military power suit. And because the expanse is set in the future, but not too distant future, the technology that they have for armor and that stuff, while advanced by comparison to what we have today, is not overly advanced by like sci-fi standards. Like she had a knockdown drag out with that creature. She has had other fights in throughout this season and the previous seasons. And she, if you want to see a really great female warrior in geek television, check her out because she is really good. That brings us to, um, what just happened? Dan, what just happened? All right, I'm going to set the scene because I feel like there's going to be some, uh, some agreement in this. They come out of the life ship. Rufus has died. But wait! A new life ship appears. They come, they step out. Wyatt's got a beard. Lucy looks a bit ragged, but that's okay. Do you guys want to save Rufus? 
What? What? Okay. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm going to need NBC to make up their effing minds. Number Breach. one. Number two, making up their effing minds, including saving this damn show. Because we need to figure out what the hell's going on. And at minimum, if they would decide not to, like, renew it for another season, they need to do what Netflix has been doing for shows like Sense8 and give it a two-hour movie. Or at the very least, what they did for Lucifer, where they gave it a season four. That was just, yeah, that was just announced was weekend or something. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I, I don't understand how you cannot make up your mind. Save our show. This being timeless. Yes, timeless. Okay, Mel. Um, it's back to back what just happens because that's mine too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because look, when Rufus actually died, because the whole season is about, you know, Gia and her visions and she's been predicting them and the time team has been going in and trying to, you know, subvert them and change them around a little bit, and that's basically what's been going on. Well, in the original vision, Luke Rufus died, he got shot, okay, cool. We thought we had made it home free, and then all of a sudden we were not home free. Rufus died, and I lost my crap on that episode at that point because I was like, uh-uh, it's no way. We are not doing this. We cannot kill Rufus. This is not okay. And then as Dan so colorfully described, the lifeboat comes back. There's no Rufus. We're sad. There's another one that shows up. And we have future Y. We have future um, Lucy. And they're asking, you guys want to be sad? Or are you going to save Rufus? And it's just like, I have no idea what's going on in my life right now, but I would love to know. And I'm like, of course, the show is called Timeless, so of course there has to be multiple timelines, so duh. But still, I'm like, okay, I need to know what's going on. I need to know more. And NBC is not saying a word. Sony is not saying a word because this is a Sony show. And I need someone to make a decision, the right decision. And that's bringing this show back. Preach. Mo, who do you have or what do you have? Well, I'm going to go in a little different direction. Um, well, hey, look. No, You're well, not the I'm only gonna, one. You're I'm not the only one, Mo. Only, only, I will say this, only because I want to recognize a spectrum of shows. Not And, 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 and you're right about Timeless. You know, uh, that's, my, that's an honorable mention for me. But I got to go to the originals. I got to go with my girl Haley who was a transplant from the Vampire Diaries, my girl got burned to a crisp. I did not didn't see, see that coming, did yes. you? My girl got burned to a crisp. Here, here we go now. One of the show's original stars, she got capped in like a random episode. It just felt like a random episode. And I was I was in shock. And, and the fact is that this time they've, at least at this point, there, there's no resurrections. And it's been, what, three episodes? Four it's episodes? Three, it's been three episodes. And, I mean, based on everything I've been reading, and it's it, it's over. That character is toast. And so it may, it creates this very interesting dynamic going into the, finale, the series finale of the originals and the spinoff show Legacy about what's going to happen with Hope Michelson 
and everything because she's down the stable parent in her life. She just has Klaus, who is the unstable parent. And so I, I just, the fallout from this, it, it, it's, it's brilliant. It, it, it was a, it's a gutsy move. It's something I, something I personally was hoping that um, Haley and Elijah would get back together. The fact that about it is Elijah was just standing there like, okay, trick. It was, I like, it's one of those things where the storyline has been compelling, but I feel like this might have been like final season budget dictated type thing to cut some of the budget for the purposes of getting it renewed for the final season. I don't know if that's the case, but mm. the randomness of the episode and the randomness of her death in it, it made me sort of wonder um let's see everybody else is gone so that leaves me my um what just happened was from the earth x crossover that ended with west allen's wedding being hijacked by olicity and they oh. both got underserved i was so pissed it destroyed like it didn't ruin or destroy but it really undermined that crossover, the fight scenes were good. The going to the to Earth X was good. So much of the CGI, like the church scene with the CGI was really good. And then they end it by having Olicity hijack the West Allen wedding rather than giving Olicity the wedding that they deserved or giving Barry and Iris the wedding that they deserved individually so that you can get two shows with two weddings, we got this quickie thing that basically made it so that neither of them were felt all that good. And I it left a bitter taste in my mouth after having enjoyed the crossover for everything else. So that was my um just what happened because or what just happened because even now watching the rest of the season of Arrow now all of a sudden Felicity and Oliver are having marriage problems because she won't do what he wants and I'm like you put these two together and threw them into this wedding only to then have them have all this stress on their marriage now granted what he does is going to cause stress I'm not saying that it doesn't exist but come on, it could have been the season finale. You could have let Barry and, and uh, Iris have their wedding without Felicity and Oliver having one. They could have been saved for the season finale. It's like the Passions finale all over again, I, I swear. Well, at that point, Passions was on <laughs> Direct TV, and I did not watch Direct TV Passions. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. My DVR is full and I can't catch up. Which show are you way behind on? Mel. Okay, y'all gonna get me for this. I'm hanging my head in shame because I was one of the main ones. Krypton. I just didn't have time to watch it during the actual season and I still don't have time to watch it. It's not that I don't want to. I, it's just I don't have the time. So... <laughs> At some point, I am going to catch up. Does anybody know if that one's coming back for season two or not? It has been, been renewed. It's been renewed. Yes. Good. Okay. But yes, that's my I'm so behind and I can't catch up show. Krypton. Mo? I'm going to go with Lost in Space on Netflix. <gasps> it's so good. It is. It is. Dan? 
I'm going to go with Westworld for a logistical issue. Um, I don't currently at the moment have HBO, but I've seen season one. It was very, very good. And so I'm going to always be behind because season two is airing right now. And I hear good things. I thought this was going to be your Punisher one, considering what you said on Twitter. Yeah, honorable mention to Punisher, but also Punisher, like, I, I don't have as much motivation because I wasn't as invested in the characters as I was in Westworld. I don't know. Mine is Colony on USA. I think I'm two seasons behind. I watched the first season. I need to watch this. I think it's on season three now. Uh, But I'm working from home now, so I could potentially catch up. So I'm hoping to. Uh, That's Cold. Captain Cold. The cutthroat character of the season. Mo. Um, you know, I'm going to do a last minute switch up. I'm going to go with NBC for not renewing, for letting us know whether or not Timeless has been renewed. Thank you. Oh, okay. That's a, that's an interesting switch up. What would you have chosen if it was an actual character? Drew Zod from Krypton. Okay. Dan? I'm going Hiram Lodge. He made some decisions this year that had me scratching my head. And then by the end of it, he still gets to win. I'm like, what? Really? After all of that? <sighs> okay. Okay. Mel? Um, Mine is the fake Dr. Smith as played by Parker Posey on Lost in Space. Because yes. when you see... All the things that she did, she killed her sister, she let that chick die on the spaceship, she put the robot back together, she was going to sell out the whole family. She does not care about anybody except number one. Nothing else matters except for her. So, and just the way how calculated she is, I'm just like, dang, girl, you ain't going to stop until you get what you want, huh? So, got to be her. Parker Posey does a fantastic job on that show, by the way. Yes. And that is also my cutthroat character of the season. Parker Posey as Dr. Smith for everything that Mel just said. So since she said it so eloquently, I'm going to mention my two honorable mentions. Jill Scott on Black Mm. Lightning. I was really upset how they took her, took Lady Eve out that because Lady Eve could have been a character that could have been gone through, like appeared on that show for many seasons. And the fact that they took her out the way they did was not happy. I'm also now going to attempt to pronounce a name and I will probably screw it up. So I apologize in advance. George, Emperor of the Terran Empire on Star Trek Discovery. Pretty cutthroat. Uh, That brings us to the Cheryl Blossom Award, otherwise known as the best character of the season. Rip Hunter, under no circumstance, can qualify for this category. Dan. Hater. Hater! No, I'm just kidding. Uh, So, I'm going to go with Lucy Preston. Now, she did not have the easiest year. She started the year out being like, hey, so uh, Rittenhouse, what's the deal with this? And then by the end of it is like, hey, uh, uh, Rufus just died. Uh, Future me is on the ship. I'm sort of into Wyatt, but also there's that Garcia Flynn over there 
who listens to me and respects my opinion and doesn't and he's argue a with bad me. boy. You know, he's a bad boy. Yeah. He, he serves for him. Right, though? Oh, I love it. Um, so, yeah, she gets my Best Character of the Year award. She did a great job. And just one more time for the folks in the back. Renew Timeless. Mel, who do you have? Well, looks like me and Dan are sharing a list today. I don't know what's going on because I had Lucy as well. But mine is more for her character's transformation because I felt like in season one, you know, she was definitely the brains of the operation, but she was a bit timid on things and kind of held back and tried to stand up for things. But, you know, it didn't always work out for her but in season two it was definitely a big switch you know she gets kidnapped by Rittenhouse she's doing their dirty work she doesn't want to she ends up getting back with the time team and you really just see this different side of her you know she gets her heart broken by Wyatt and she's hanging out with bad boy Flynn but also on missions you see she's getting stronger and she's making what I like to call executive decisions and the girl is singing and she's making women's rights speeches that are really amazing and you just see her kind of really come into herself this season and I thought it was great and I'm like you know we need more Lucy's out there so definitely Miss Lucy Preston on time Mo I'm gonna go with I man Jefferson Pierce from Black Lightning (laughs) Um, Mel did a great job summarizing the character earlier on um, some of the things for me that that I'd like to add about the character is again how much of a growth that we we saw over the course of those 13 episodes how initially he was he we just saw him as the father and as the principal and how his arc kind of changed where you know you 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 he gets drawn back into being black lightning and then from there it becomes more complicated because, you know, he is Black Lightning. He's trying to save the community, but yet he, he's he, more and more his children are being drawn into the world of Black Lightning, the drawn into the world of, of, of superpowered beings. And how do you balance that? You know, you, you, you now are starting to juggle all these things and, and how your life, all these different aspects of your life start blending in. And it's, it's so interesting. And then suddenly he's dealing with Tobias Whale, and you learn more and more about his backstory and and how it's intertwined with Tobias Whale and how Tobias had killed his father, and that, you know, Jefferson is now kind of trapped. He he wants to protect the community of Freeland, but he's he's also a part of him that wants to get revenge on Tobias Whale for Tobias killing his father. And so these things are kind of culminating. And of course, off on the side is he's trying to deal with his wife and he's trying to get back back with his wife and and it's just very interesting all these different again how much how much how much character is embedded into every episode of black lightning it's it was so amazing and so rich and i hope that that it moves forward in season two and that it doesn't suffer from um sophomore itis and that that they they remember to put character first with with their lead character because 
I'm learning personally as a comic book fan. I, I'm familiar with Black Lightning. Um, I know the character from um, these old Batman, the Outsiders comics, his stint in Justice League comics. But I think that the amount of character growth and development that I've seen in these 13 episodes are a whole lot more than what I've seen in a lot in a lot of the comics that I've read uh, over the years. My pick for the Cheryl Blossom Award, otherwise known as the best character of the season, is Constantine on Legends of Tomorrow, as portrayed by Matt Ryan. I did not like Constantine, the NBC show, but I liked the character. And when they, it was announced that they were bringing him to Legends, I was like, okay, this could be a lot of fun. The other thing about that made him so good for me on Legends is that while the story on Legends, I enjoyed the story, I enjoyed the action, I have found the team in many elements to be underwhelming, and sometimes their chemistries don't really mix that well. And in the episodes that he appeared, it, it was elevated. The chemistry of the cast and the characters and the dynamic shifted, and all of a sudden things started feeling more feeling better, much like when Captain Cold was still on the show. There was just something about the team that worked better when Constantine was on it. So I'm extremely excited that he's going to be a regular next season. Um, I realized that he didn't have that many episodes, which is why I was like, does he qualify as best character? But I went with it because I feel like there's an opportunity to really do something on Legends of Tomorrow, especially in the upcoming season that we haven't seen yet. And I think it will be interesting to see how the rest of the cast shakes out. I'm hoping that we're left with the stronger characters and maybe some of the ones that don't leave quite as strong of a mark will be eliminated. Best new show of the season, Melody. I talked a lot about it, but for me it had to be Black Lightning. What a fantastic show and a fantastic cast. I think that it was a great idea having, you know, we have this black superhero and he's kind of really a stand-up guy and he has these children and it turns out his children are all are also superheroes and they're all trying to kind of navigate that within their community. And I love the villains as well. And I definitely agree with Luke that Lady Eve met her demise way, way too soon. She was fantastic. We have, you know, a gangster that ends up dying, but now he's a ghost or he's a possessed demon. I'm not really sure what's going on with that story, but it, it's all very interesting. And we have the main villain, Tobias Well, who definitely goes back many, many, many years with our hero, Jefferson Pierce. And he's always trying to take him down. But I also love that the head of the police force is also a black man. And he's trying to do the right thing as a policeman. And he's kind of friends with Black Lightning. And he knows he's not supposed to be, but they kind of have this weird deal working out. And I really just love the vibe of this show. I think it's it keeps up the pace he's fast and the stories always kind of leave you thinking and I cannot wait to see where we go in season two with this show I just want them to keep it up and the soundtracks are is amazing but you know anyway yes very much so Mo also gotta agree with Mel it's Black Lightning for me I mean for for 
everything Mel said. I think that the social relevance of the show is it, phenomenal because it 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 has this. It's so interesting. Like you got Jefferson Pierce, who is the forty-something-year-old parent dealing with millennials and 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 his millennial children, and how they how they see issues of social justice and race and so forth. It's this interesting dichotomy that they intertwine with the superhero stuff. I mean, it's just as as someone, and I'm gonna say like the the one episode about the uh, the statues and when Thunder like destroys the statue for me personally, that was interesting. It feels like that they pulled something from something that's going on in my life because I'm from Charlottesville. And so I just thought, oh my God, they're just pulling something that happened from Charlottesville. You know, the debate over the statue and the tiki torches and everything. And I was just like, oh my God, this show really is on the pulse of what's going on in society. Plus it's a good character, plus it's a good family story. Plus we get some good superhero action. And like you all said, that soundtrack is kick ass. Dan? We're going three for three on this. It's got to be Black Lightning. Uh, I, like my co-hosts have eloquently put it so much better than I can. I will say Tobias Whale sticking around and not dying is fantastic. And I'm really excited to see more of Tobias versus uh, Jefferson. I'm not exactly sure what the heck's going on with Lala and that whole dead, but not dead, but a ghost, but a demon, but a tattoo artist i'm not exactly sure what's going on but i'm excited to find out mine is also black lightning i think that from the social issues and how they incorporate it into a way that brings meaning to the comic book um cinematic or not cinematic but tv universe is really important i think that the action is good the acting is really strong i love that this is a story about a family and their one friend who has a a connection to black lightning's past i feel like unlike say arrow where you have is it has a bloated cast where you have many duplicated abilities where the tone and everything is always the same What Black Lightning was able to do in the first season, just by keeping it this small family nucleus, and then just having the story like blossom around the family, is something so much different than what we have on Supergirl, The Flash, and Arrow, which are sort of a cookie cutter formula. Some of them do it better than others, but I really like this idea that you have a family story and that you're being able to see a street-level fight and street-level villains. Now, on maybe it's part because of the crossovers, but I don't ever really feel like Arrow's really a street-level hero anymore, and, and that may be just because he's been around for so long, but The Flash has been fighting all kinds of things. Legends is all over the timeline, Supergirl is going to different planets and doing all this other stuff. And I feel like Black Lightning not being in that universe has almost made it stronger. Would I have an issue if in one of the crossovers, Cisco's uh, device took them to the uh, realm where Black Lightning is? No. I Of course, I would love to see that crossover. But do I want that to be something where we have a... F- 
fully integrated cast? Absolutely not. A one-time event I'd be okay with, but I would rather they develop this Black Lightning realm on its own and have it be completely independent because there's something... It's a gem, and I don't want it marred. Best series or season finale? It can. Um, so basically, this is whether or not the show ended for its season or if it was a series finale. Let's see. I believe this is Dan's turn to go first. Well, good thing you specified because you've done more now than NBC and Sony combined. <laughs> um I'm going timeless again. Uh, that finale was so much better than the Genius Junior lead-in, and I'm still better, and that was ridiculous, and if this, if Neil Patrick Harris costs us this show, I'm just going to be livid. That was absolutely absurd, but the finale was great. Um, loved every second of it. Harriet Tubman was a vision like oh she was so good so unbelievably good they went all out and she was just a badass and i loved every second of it oh my gosh and then to go to uh a a, a settlement with asian american stuff like that really enca- or encapsulated the different cultures and stuff i was just oh it's so cool and seeing rufus and gia and gia being stuck there and then rufus fixes the old ship to get the other ship and then they end up going and they the, you know the visions start playing out and you get to see everything and you see flynn and wyatt finally working together and lucy's affected by everything and jessica is going crazy but like when they ah uh, everything is wonderful it ah, this show, we, we didn't deserve a show as good as this, but damn it, Sony Sony keeps throwing out these gifts of timeless for like you know National Best Friend Day or you know National Sweethearts Day or whatever. I'm like, all right, guys, Kelly Clarkson, Leslie Jones, and like a million other people, William Shatner, this, William Shatner. All want this show coming back. Do us a favor. Tell us yes or no, and then we can figure out our lives. Otherwise, Netflix needs to pick it up. Uh, yes. M- Mel, who do you have? Once again, I have to agree with Dan here. I had Timeless as well, for all of the reasons that Dan said, but for reasons as well of this show has a really awesome tendency of recognizing history that people have forgotten or history that always doesn't get told the way it should. And I think that is something very special and they do it in a way that is very respectful and it shines the light on places that have been dark for way too long. So I, and I think the cast is great. The stories always keep me interested. And they also have this really weird way of putting a twist on a story that I don't see coming. And when you watch a lot of television, most of the time, halfway through the episode, you know what's going to happen by the end of the season. Okay? You know what's going on. But this one, this one catches me by surprise. And if a show can do that, they always have my respect. So I definitely, definitely need time to come back for season three. Let's get it together, NBC and Sony. Mo? I'm also going to go with Timeless as well. I mean, 
they they didn't leave anything anything they on the table i mean they just they just cleared it i mean it gate this whole season was if they figured out the show's creators just figured out what worked and how to keep the engine moving and i think that uh, throughout season two the cast and crew and the creators behind Timeless, they just kept building up more and more momentum and energy, and it just kind of exploded in those last two episodes, in particular that last that last um, episode. And I I just was like, oh my god! Again, as everybody's talked about the light, the, the second lifeboat showing up at the very end, um, with Wyatt and Lucy just popping up, looking like. They're from like some sort of Terminator style universe. I mean, just looking badass. But um, the thing that I want to um, say is, is that I really like the, the the episode that focused on uh, Denise Christopher. That episode that that was kind of like uh, focused on her life, particularly back in the 1980s when it was um, during the Reagan assassination. And like Mel said, this show does a really good job of just putting the spotlight on aspects of history that may have been forgotten. And I think that this show continues to re, re, is a really inclusive show. Cause like Dan said, they, 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 they had the whole, uh, the last episode focused on them being back in San Francisco and talking about Asian Americans in San Francisco in the early, uh, in the early part of the 20, um, tw- uh, 20th century. And, and so I, I, I just hope that, uh, we get a third season. They continue to tell these types of stories, not just whether or not we get Rufus back, but these types of stories that highlights these aspects of of history. Because I've learned a lot of things from the show, and and I'm and and hopefully we'll, we'll I'll be able to learn a little bit more if it's renewed. Mine is also timeless. I mean, the fact that this season finale ended with "Do you want to save Rufus?" Yes. You guys have summed it up perfectly about why this show needs to be renewed, but there is just something about the how this show executes its vision every single episode that makes it one of the most deserving shows of for renewal up for renewal that has not been defined. I can't think of a stronger and a more enjoyable cast to be watching, and. I had so much fun when uh, Megan and Harry were getting married and Abigail Spencer was one of the guests in the in the crowd because she was a fan of or she was a friend of Megan's. And I'm like, oh, this wedding's totally fine because Lucy is there to protect the wedding. And like, did you notice, notice her name was trending because of that? Everyone was like, right. oh, Lucy's there. <laughs> Time out. Something's <laughs> going on. It was great. Gotta save and the queen. Right, exactly. (laughs) The wedding has to go off. And it was like, okay, so what was the conspiracy that had her there? Why did she need to be up so close to the action? But it's, it's it's also a gem of a show. And I need this to be renewed yesterday. Now, we talk about the best series, the best new show, the best series or season finale, but we also have to talk about the bad things. Mel, what was the worst show of the season for you? Um, is it any question? Do we do we have to? I think it's going to be a four-way I tie. Say, say, go ahead on and knock it out right now. Right. Marvel we'll all blame Dan. Humans. 
for the two hours of my life that I cannot get back of watching that nonsense. The character, help me, the, the actors, and I use that term lightly, except for that boy who played Ramsey Bolton on uh, Game of Thrones, which you can literally see in his face towards the end of the episode, like, I left Game of Thrones for this. Do y'all? I, I was on the hottest show on the planet, and now I am here. <sighs> everything, everything about that show was bad. All of it. Mo? Well, you know, in humans, it's just easy to pick on. So, you know. Oh, you is. are not going to tell me <laughs> that there is something worse than in humans. Well, okay. I Here's the thing. I've... I've I've ragged on in humans. In humans, it, it just—I need to show the spotlight on something. You else. do not get a jail, get out of jail free card on this. There is only it is, one it worse is all show. Humans, but if Mo has an honorable mention for this category, well, t- yeah, I know. Like, so yeah, if he's gonna do an honorable mention, but for something to be worse than in humans, <laughs> well. I was okay for this particular show. It's not that it's as worse as in humans. Um, it's just I was really disappointed in the show because this category is worst show of the season, not most disappointing. I I I feel like me and Mo are about to be on the same wavelength here. Oh, here we go. Okay. So I'm gonna okay. So so you know what I will compromise. This is a compromise. And humans is my worst show. My honorable mention, which I will name here, is Fox's Ghosted. Okay, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Because I saw the trailers for that show. I love the show. I love the trailer for the show. I watched the first couple episodes. I love the pet, the the uh, the comedic pedigree behind the show. Uh, I like Adam Scott. I like Craig Robinson, like the leads. But it just was not clicking for me. And I watched several episodes of that that show. And about five episodes, and I just felt like it was a waste of time. Not, not as much of a waste of time as in humans, because I will t- I took the bullet for the team. I watch every episode of Inhumans. Okay. I don't know why you would do that. None of us asked you know. to do that. That is that is just <laughs> you, like literally walking in front of it voluntarily. You cannot say that that was in defense of us, because none of us would have asked you to do that. Nope. Well, I thought, you know, as as someone covering these shows, <laughs> I needed to know. From a I, journalistic it, standpoint, journalistic. someone had to. <laughs> it's journalistic. Thank you, Mel. Journalistic Listen, integrity. Listen, there is journalism, journalistic integrity, and then there is shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you question. Get, Question. You can what? be you can have integrity as a journalist and walk away from something because it's just shit. <laughs> now what is the impact of, in the MCU of said shit? These are the hard questions that Mo is asking. No, no, these are questions that none of us need to ask <laughs> at all. <laughs> So, so what we clearly know, Thanos just wiped them all out. <laughs> we can just assume that. Yeah, the Dan? Dogs... So I'm going to pull a mo on this situation where Inhumans is by far the worst show. But the show I'm most disappointed in 
is Jessica Jones season two. Thank oh, I was. Oh, that was definitely an honorable that. mention. Oh my definitely. Gosh. Yes. How terrible I, can you I, make a show with so many amazing characters? How? I was. I almost had that as an um. What just happened? Mm-hmm. Like you have, like arguably one of the best Netflix shows of the last ten years, and you're gonna come back with a season two that is complete shit and regresses the the storytelling to like fill in some backstory and oh let's talk about Jessica's mom and Trish is just gonna be terrible all the time. And Malcolm ends up having to carry the show. Like, don't get me wrong. Love Malcolm. I've loved Ika Darville since his days on Power Rangers. But come on, guys. You guys need to get your act together and put out a better, just a better series for season three. Because you have actually made me a little scared for Luke Cage. Just because of how awful this was. This was unquestionably, like, I I knew going into Iron Fist that this was going to be bad. I had no idea and was completely blindsided for how bad Jessica Jones Season 2 was. And I'm so disappointed in all of the parties involved because that was terrible. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it was it – would... I sort of feel like Jessica Jones is the negative side of the coin that The Gifted ended up on for me. I felt like there's a bunch of categories that The Gifted deserved to be in, but it was just edged out by someone else. And I feel like Jessica Jones is the exact same thing. That season two deserved to be on so many of these, but there was just something that was that much worse. Yes. By someone else. I was going to say, but I want, and again, I feel like uh, to me, this second season of Jessica Jones felt like filler. It's like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I I feel like they, when this was written and I have no idea when the second season of Jessica Jones was written, it's like they, they wanted to purposely avoid anything that happened in the defenders crossover series. And just like, Okay, we're just not even gonna. We're just gonna bypass that, and we're just gonna do something until season three or something down the line happens. And that's just the way I feel. I feel like it's a, it's like one of those anime series in which you get like fifteen episodes of just filler because they don't they don't have time to it. They need a new story because they don't want to adapt the stuff from the manga. And and that's what this was. None of this stuff was in the comic. Very, very little of that second season of Jessica Jones was in the comic. There was never any stuff about her mother and all that other yin-yang. It wasn't in there. Um, so they're just pulling that out of there, you know what. I, I just feel like I like I like spending time with the characters of Jessica Jones. So I, I, I respect you, Dan, on that, on, on how, how you feel about that. And, and agree, you know, it wasn't as bad as in humans. Right. But it was so par con- con- considering where it came from from the first season. Well, we maybe better. we'll just maybe we'll just have to add some new categories. No, uh, my worst show. Think about it. My worst show of the season is also Marvels and Humans for everything that Mel said, everything that we discussed on the podcast, and have touched on since that podcast that Dan made us do. Um, oh, best boy. best show of the season, Mel. 
Oh, I thought we already talked about this, but uh, it's timeless. <laughs> For everything okay. that we've been talking about before, I know well, we talked about the series finale, but just literally the entire season, I thought from when they started the season with an explosion, literally uh, 30 seconds into the show, I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And it absolutely was from start to finish. The second season was great. I don't think it's I think it's the only show all season that I would watch an episode again. I would watch it two or three times. So it is fantastic. If y'all haven't watched it, I believe it is all on Hulu, I think. Watch yes. all of it. It is amazing. Bring it back for season three. Mo? I'm going to go with Star Trek Discovery. It, it, that, I think that one, the second half of, of the first season, once all the pieces were in place, because I enjoyed that the first half of season one of Star Trek Discovery, I think that it just... It just elevated, and it went to elevated. It just kicked it into another gear. The back half and dealing with the par the the parallel worlds and all the po the politics, and at the same time, uh, Michael Burnham was just still the star. Michael, everything revolved around my girl, Michael Burnham. Michael Burnham was everywhere doing everything, and. As a, as a Star Trek fan, I love seeing a sister in charge. Of Star not not necessarily in charge as the captain, but I'm saying being the lead on the show. And I love how they tied up the 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 story plot about the war um, with the Klingons. They wrapped that up because I'm glad that it didn't. It's not going. It, hopefully, it will not spill over into the second season of Discovery. And I like how it ended on this cliffhanger with them, with the Discovery meeting up with the Enterprise, and guess who is captain going to be captain in the Enterprise? I man Black Bolt from the Inhumans. <laughs> Glad he found a job somewhere so, else. He found a job. So, Does he speak? <laughs> <laughs> I, we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and find out. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to the second season, there were some twists in in Star Trek Discovery that um, that that I didn't I didn't see. I kind of felt like uh, Gabriel Lorca was um, gonna turn out to be one of the villains. I mean, considering his pedigree, you know, I mean, he was Draco Malfoy's father in the Harry Potter movies, so of course he's gonna be the villain. Um, but overall, it it was it was a really solid show, both the first first part of season one and the second part of se uh, se uh, second portion of uh, season one as well. Dan? Uh, I'm going to go with a show that hasn't gotten a lot of love uh, on this podcast, uh, on this episode at least, uh, and that is Riverdale. I spent a solid week after, you, after we saw FP carry Jughead's body a solid week just emotionally distraught because no one in my life el like else saw the episode so I was like what do I do what do I do Jughead's dead Jughead's just straight up dead now we're gonna have a, a series with Archie and um you know the triangle with Veronica and Betty and that's just gonna be the show now uh, what am I gonna do with my like is this show sustainable now 
you know, these are all of like the legit questions that were going through my head the entire time. And of course, you know, Cole Sprouse is tweeting like, thanks for everything, Riverdale. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And on top of all of that drama, and then you had, you know, the Black Hood, you know, who is it? We had Betty exploring her dark side and dealing with the whole fake chick, real chick. Thing, uh, with her brother and all of the, you know, just weird tension going on in the Lodge family who are suddenly reliant on a high school boy to help this grown man run a mafia. So that there was that. That was kind of funny, but also kind of like, oh, Archie, what are you doing? What are you doing, Archie? Um it, you know, there was just so many amazing elements. Yeah, the musical episode kind of fell flat for me, but I really liked the drama that sparked from Midge dying. Uh, even though it's kind of like, whoa, that's a bit of a legacy character you got going on there, dying. Uh, what, what's the deal with that? But um, it did spark uh, Moose and Kevin getting together again. Um, you know, there's a lot of room to play with for the next season. And overall it was a pretty good sophomore season for Riverdale. So Luke, what is your choice for best show of the season? It's interesting. You should ask Mel because it's a show that you mentioned earlier, lost in space on Netflix. Mm. It is so strong. I felt like black lightning is the best new show for me because it's broadcast and because I feel like it is telling a message, but best show period of all of the geeky shows that I watch since game of Thrones is not eligible for this, this year lost in space. The cinematography is fantastic. The acting is fantastic. The storyline is strong. Parker Posey as Dr. Smith and a villain. She is just chilling for me, it's Lost in Space, which brings us to our final category. Mo, I mentioned earlier that I was really upset about Olicity hijacking Barry and Iris's wedding. And in previous versions of this podcast, our annual episode, we'd had the... Forever Elicity Award, otherwise known as Best Couple. But I really do not feel that Elicity deserves to be in the title of any category any longer. Preach. So, it is the Forever West Allen Award, a.k.a. the Best Couple of the Season. Who was your Best Couple? Well, you know, I'm going to say I thought West Allen was a great couple. But the couple I chose, like Elicity like Wes Allen, got married during this current um, season. And that is Fitzsimmons from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like Olicity, like uh, Wes Allen. This couple has struggled. And I mean, this this couple has struggled over the course of five seasons to get where they are, okay? When you start the fifth season, Simmons and the rest of the team are stuck in the future. Fitz, is, Fitz has just gotten himself out of Hydra world. His mind is all screwed up. He's, he's, he still thinks he's maybe a, a Hydra agent or whatever. 
He has to figure out how to get from the present to the future. Okay, because he has to say the love of his life, Simmons. He needs to tell her he loves her. He wants to marry her. He wants to be with her. Okay, he makes his way to the future by going into hibernation. Okay, he gets to the future. He starts acting like a badass. He starts killing these aliens. Okay, he pretends he's a slaver. He saves his woman. He saves Simmons. Okay, they make it back to the to the present. Okay. And during the hundredth episode of Agents of Shield, because this was the this was the season in which Agents of Shield made it to one hundred episodes. Think about that, because that's just crazy. Who would have ever guessed that? Yeah, that's happen. crazy in and of itself. <laughs> they, they got married in the ep- in, in, in the hundredth episode. Okay. Not only did they get married, but they found out that the character that I thought was the most annoying character of the season. Okay. Deke Shaw is their grandchild, but you know I'm not gonna. They're my favorite character, but they're Spawn, you know, whatever. You know, there's, there's plenty of characters that... that Obviously, the genes don't last very long. Right. So here we go. So we get to the end of the season. Fitzsimmons are married, okay? Tragedy strikes. Fitz is killed in the last episode. Okay? Now, what's going to happen? Well, fortunately, the show has gotten renewed. Okay, and Fitz, okay, because they went into, they broke this timeline. The Fitz who died was from a, another timeline. Mm. The other Fitz is stuck in hibernation. Okay, so that's mm. a that's a soap couple. So she's gonna time. go bone a corpse? No, she's gotta go find or uh, bone a bone a cold stivy. <laughs> no, she's just gotta go find. She's just gotta find him, and he's like in this spaceship in outer space in hibernation. Okay, you you know, Mo, that my interest in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after its horrific first season began and ended with, I was going to say Hellboy, and that's not Hellboy. Um, <laughs> Ghost Rider. Uh, uh, Ghost Rider, thank you. Uh, with Ghost Rider's uh, arc, that's the only part of that show that I actually enjoyed. Dan, uh, best this- couple. This was a really tough category because this was kind of a terrible year for couples. Uh, I agree. This what I agree. This was a tough year, which is why I'm going to pull something like this couple only got two episodes, but their two episodes are so much better than every other couple on every other show I watch. And that is the and Roy from Arrow. I loved the and Roy back in the day. Having Roy come back and Thea being all in on saving her man and getting her man back and then being like asking Roy like, hey, is this cool if we just get back together? And he's like, get over here. And so they they just they click so well and I was so happy for them and they rode off into the sunset and I was so excited but now Roy's coming back next year. And so, so what how does that how does that testify to true love? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, uh I I I don't know how to feel about this. I'm excited to get more Colton Hayes because we could all use more Colton Hayes in our lives. But at the same time, it's like, mm, we'll see how this affects his relationship with Thea. Um and you know, seeing him like seeing the idea of Roy Nissa and Thea going off and like closing um the 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 pools Lazarus. or the bad what, what Lazarus, wait, Lazarus uh, pits Lazarus, Lazarus pits thank you 
Yes, I totally forgot about that name. Lazarus Pits. Closing all the Lazarus Pits. That's pr- like that's an entertaining spinoff that I would totally watch. Is just them closing Lazarus Pits. But we don't need any more spinoffs. Instead, we just need Morthy and Roy. And that's my best couple. No, I, I need a Super Sons uh, TV show. So we need at least one pit to stay open. Mel. Um, well, y'all know that I ride for West Allen all day, all night, 24-7. I ship it like FedEx. So, are they my best couple? They're always my best couple. Even though they are, as usual, have a rough go of it, and they were cheating out of, they were cheated out of the proper wedding that they deserved, but I think with their daughter showing up from the future, that's gonna change a few things, but anyways, I love them. But since I talk about them all the time, I have honorable mention, and that is Jefferson Pierce and his wife, Lynn, because in the beginning of the season, you know, she wasn't trying to give him the time of day exactly because of the whole superhero thing, and they had fell out and so on and so forth. But when she realized that her daughters also have inherited the powers that their father has, she was just kind of like, well, if you can't beat them, join them. I'm in. Let's do this. Come on, Jefferson. You know, I love you or you love me. And, you know, they had that whole sexy times with the lightning and the. Yeah, I was here for all of that. So Jefferson, his wife. There we go. Okay, okay, Dan, it was not my intent to one up you. But when you said that your couple was only around for two episodes, it turns out mine was only around for one. Oh, um, and Mo might be familiar with this couple. It was on The Magicians, Quentin and Elliot, in the Time oh! Loop episode, <laughs> where these two characters who... The Magicians plays not fast and loose, but they definitely make everybody sort of sexually open to opportunities, shall we say? Throughout the season, we were Quentin was hunting for a key to bring back magic, while Elliot was trying to keep the kingdom from falling apart because magic no longer existed, and the fairy were his threat to the his his kingdom. But there was an episode in which these two teamed up because they needed this important key to be able to actually get to the next stage of bringing magic back and they had to solve the puzzle and it was this mosaic puzzle with all this complicated stuff and the entire episode was basically about how these two characters go to fillery to this puzzle they're trying to put it together and they basically spend the next 60 some years together is what it makes it look like to the point where you see one of them die. But they, they'd prior to this, they had sort of started out as antagonistic during the course of them trying to put this puzzle together and find it, put it together correctly and find the missing piece you see where these two become a couple. You see where these, where one of them ends up with a woman and having a child, and then that one dies, and the other, the other guy is still living, and then is sort of acting as the father to this child with the mother, who's there. It was 
completely unexpected that you would have this show tell a story about a, I wouldn't necessarily call it a romance, but a relationship and a coupledom and a companionship that was so unorthodox. Yes, this is a show that has been willing to do a lot of things in previous episodes, but that episode where you saw the connection that those two had was really powerful in the way the story was told. So for me, they were the best couple of the 2017-2018 season. Going around the li- oh, who was going to say? I was going to say Luke. Heard- I was going to say, but they set that cup. They set those two up in a pre. Remember in the previous um, season, they, they they had the threesome. Quentin, they, Ellie, and they, Margo had a threesome earlier. Right, right, and so that's like that's why I'm saying it's not t- like we, in terms of what they do with couples and pairings and sex and relationships. From the standpoint of what they delivered in that episode, it was not unexpected. They had teased the threesome in the past, but I was not expecting an episode that had as big of an emotional punch as that one did for those two characters who, for the most part, are are antagonistic to each other in every other episode. So, honorable mentions, Mo. Or dishonorable, for that matter. Well, for me... Well, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, in terms of some honorable mentions, um, another honorable mention for Best Show, I will go with The Magicians. I think, Luke, as as you said, I, um, the Quentin Elliott episode, it was a really great episode with just those two. I think that The Magicians did a, did a really wonderful job of just playing with the character dynamics and pairings this 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 third season not in terms of like couples but you know characters you wouldn't uh expect to interact together were uh put together for instance like uh julia was teen had had a whole arc with elliot's wife and involving the fairies and learning about the how the fairies were actually enslaved by the magicians on earth and that they were actually eating them and for power. So, I mean, it was just some wild stuff was just going on on that show. Now, I did think that the reason why I like Star Trek Discovery over The Magicians was it just didn't stick the land in because I felt like the last episode of The Magicians was used to set up the next season. I feel like they do that every year, and it's becoming a little bit of a habit. I feel almost like, in some ways, the second-to-last episode tends to be their better episode. Mm. Yeah. Dan, honorable or dishonorable mentions? Uh, honorable mentions. I actually have uh, Kirk Acevedo as Ricardo Diaz for both breakout star, breakout character, and also that's called Captain Cold. Uh, he was so, so good this year as Diaz. I like what a compelling villain, what a compelling character. We got to see like an entire episode based around him and his backstory and He's just so engaging to to the screen, and he puts fear in like people in a way that like not a lot of villains do. Like as much as like oh Damien Dark, yeah yeah yeah. No, I I was not afraid of him in the slightest. I wasn't afraid of Ra's al Ghul, no matter how many times they talked about him. But Ricardo Diaz, oh man, like he. I, I, I mean, the amount of, like, torture and the amount of, like, 
weird things he would put people through and stuff like that. I just, and he had so much power that he built up in the entire city that it's just, it's so hard not to be afraid of this guy. What about Prometheus? I mean, don't get me wrong. Prometheus, like we're having back to back good villain seasons, but I, I was just going back a little further. Mel? Um, okay, I have a few. Uh, that's Cold, Captain Cold. I'm going to mention is DeVoe from Flash because he was doing the absolute most. Um, best new show of the season, Honorable Mentions, Lost in Space, and The Gifted. Worst show of the season, Honorable Mentions, The Walking Dead, and Jessica Jones. Any others? That's it. The Gifted, I thought, deserved an honorable mention for best new show. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad it's coming back. Dishonorable mention, I gotta give it to Supergirl. Um, I'm I'm having trouble with Supergirl. I think that there's a lot of problems. First, they have under like the Brainiac episode in which he talked about the power that Supergirl has and how one of theirs can help beat Rain and the various other people really made Supergirl come across as weak. I do not like that so much time is wasted on James's character. And I think that Wynn is just there for comedy. It bothers me a little that the unlike the shows like Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, even Arrow to a certain extent, because Arrow doesn't have superhero abilities. The more people that they add to Supergirl, the weaker they make the character. And then at the same time, they never use John as Martian Manhunter. He had a great story with his father's illness and his Martian dementia. That was a great component. But the fact that you have multiple battles where he's not a factor, the fact that he doesn't show up in the crossover, and then Alex... Alex was treated in the crossover as someone who is on par with the Street Fighters in Arrow. Sure, I get it. They're all human. They can be Street Fighters. Where's John? Why wasn't Martian Manhunter there? I feel like they just undermine themselves. They shoot themselves in the foot. At the same time, the the, the they have to somehow come up with a better reason for these world-destroying events that they keep telling and then not having Superman there. If you are being invaded, if you are going to have the planet destroyed, if you are going to have all this stuff going on, why isn't Superman around? Now that you've introduced him, you've opened that can of worms. Yes, it was great to see that character there, but why doesn't he show up for these big things? So on one hand, we don't have Superman. On the other hand, we have the Legionnaires, which apparently Martian Manhunter and Supergirl are so weak that with one chance, they go from a 50% chance of winning combined to an 80% chance of winning by having a Legionnaire there. That means that Supergirl and Martian Manhunter are weaker than Brainiac or Monel. There's just issues with the show. 
Uh, that was some bull. That was bull. It was. was bull. It was. I mean, I'm calling it. That was nonsense. Because there's some legionnaire. He specifically said any legionnaire. And I can come up with five legionnaires off the top of my head with some weak powers. I mean, Supergirl is a member of the Legion. Superman is a member of the Legion. They are two of the most powerful, if not the two most powerful Legionnaires. And no, that was that was nonsense. They need to cut the cast. They need to refocus the story on Kara. I am okay with Kara and Monel. I know a lot of people hate Kara and hate Monel, but the thing is, is that they basically told a story on Supergirl this season that a made it seem like her life couldn't ex- like she couldn't survive without a man in his her life both emotionally and then because of the fact that he needed to go back to save her physically. I'm like, isn't she supposed to be the one who's resent- representing the epitome in? female superheroes in the Berlanti verse. I just, it, Arrow is my least favorite of them. And that's just because it's a bloated cast. It's repetitive storylines. Nothing ever really changes that much. Supergirl has the opportunity to tell some kick-ass stories. Supergirl has the potential to have these wonderful character development moments. And they did that with his father. But the rest of the show it's at cross purposes. It's like there's two different shows going on and I don't know how to explain it further, but Supergirl definitely, if we had a most disappointing category, it would be my most disappointing pick. So that's why it's a dishonorable mention for me. Um, Any other thoughts as we wrap this up? Well, um, I I guess we need to pray for Supergirl. We we need to (laughs) hold hands. We need to pray. You know, the healing powers of prayer. You know, Luke, you did a great job of summarizing the problems of Supergirl. I, I, you, you really did. I mean, James, the best episode, in my opinion, with James was the the episode in which he got out of his guardian and had to explain, like, why he wears a mask. That was, like, the most useful he's been in. in, Ever. I mean, like, that... That made sense. I I, I like the Lena Luther Miss Tessmacher dynamic. I hope we get a lot more of that in the next season because I think that they could do some interesting stuff there. But like you said, it's a bloated cast and it seems like they've got to weaken certain characters or take them off canvas in order to like prop up like Monel. And I like my I don't mind Monel. It's just like But it's not even just about Monel. I mean, it's not that they're propping up Manel, it's that they keep making Supergirl so weak. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she has to learn from him how to use her cape, <laughs> the fact that he is, like, that much more powerful than her, that their chances go... Like, that means that at most she's 25% power, where he is 31. I mean, it makes no sense. And they just... They did it all season. And, what like, they could get rid of Wynn, they could get rid of James, they could... Refocus Alex's storyline, and they could have they could literally make it a girl power show by having Lena, Alex, and Supergirl, and then having John there as the other character that would have powers. 
Alex's role can shift. I, w- I think I said this on Twitter, but I would love it if like she got demoted and went to the street level with like Maggie and had a new storyline that didn't have her in that organization. Let it be Supergirl. Let it be Martian Manhunter. And then let Lena, whether you want to take her dark or not, be the other at- component of the show and refocus it and then... I mean, if Brainiac's going to be, if Brainiac is going to be the new tech person for next season, since Wynn is going on recurring, fine. But don't give me this excuse that he is more powerful than Supergirl. Also, can I just say, it is the most absurd thing that Lena doesn't know who Kara is. Yes. <laughs> that, uh, agree. Yeah, yeah, damn. <laughs> They're in these scenes together. Everyone knows she's Supergirl, but Lena. Oh my gosh. My concern with Bat, the crossover being about Batwoman, whether it is in the air, like the actual Arrowverse, or whether we're going to another realm, like we did with Earth X. My concern is that if they, if this is somehow a backdoor pilot for a Batwoman series that we are going to end up with the exact same issues before we start any other female-led superhero characters in the Berlantiverse. Let's fix Supergirl, because she needs it really bad. On that note, comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me at Luke underscore Kerr, since we haven't recorded an episode, because May was sort of a busy month for me, I may be forgetting how to where people are on Twitter, so bear with me. Melody is at Melody Akles. Dan is real Dan Pierce. Yes. And Mo is Dr. Mo77. Yes. Woo, I did better than I thought. Well, you can hit us up on Twitter, comment on the comments at geekconfidential.com. We thank you so much for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, Bye, y'all. Everybody.